You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 5. We're going to be doing verses 17 to 24. And we're just going to skim through it, but after I'd love to share a few little things that I felt God put on my heart about this scripture. So Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Awesome. So we're going to stop there for a tick. And we can sort of see just from the start of the scripture that Jesus is speaking at this house. And... um, And it says that the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law, which were like the university lecturers, they had come from all these towns to come and see Jesus. So we know that at this point in time, Jesus has a bit of a celebrity status. People are like, oh, Jesus is speaking, let's go watch him. And um, so we know that any house that he's going to be speaking at or that he's staying at, it's like the paparazzi outside of a hotel. Everyone's there, they've packed it out. And And then we're introduced to this paralyzed guy. And we know that in the context of of ancient Judean culture that anyone with a disability or a disease were outcast. They were seen as unclean. No one wanted anything to do with them. They were neglected by society because of their disability. Um, And the belief system of that time actually implied that anyone with a disease or a disability um, was a result of their their family's bloodline sin. So it's safe to assume that this guy's probably been rejected by his family. He has no relatives, no one to look after him. And, but what we do know is that he has his friends. The scripture doesn't explain the exact details of their relationship, whether they went to school together or their work colleagues or something. Um, but it's pretty safe to assume that, that if these four guys are willing to carry him through a town, up onto a roof, cut a hole into a roof, that they're probably good dudes, a, a couple of true blue ancient Jewish legends. So we'll jump back in at verse 19. And um, it says, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And I want to stop here for a tick because I want to unwrap that. So let's just imagine for a second, these four guys, they're carrying this guy, they're lugging him like that. They're probably like, oh, mate, you need to lose a few. He's pretty heavy. They go all the way through the town, they get to this house, and they see that it's packed out. And I can only imagine how how discouraging that would have been for these four guys. They've taken their friend and they thought, oh, come on, mate, Jesus is going to heal you. And they get to this house, and it's just packed out. And they're probably thinking, oh, what are we going to do? And and if they were like normal guys, they probably would have said, all right, smoko boys, let's wrap it up. We gave it a go, but it's over now. Um, But they didn't. We see against the hardship that they actually climbed onto this guy's roof, sawed a hole in his roof, and lowered the guy down. So we see in verse 20, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. But then the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. 
Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. And the story wraps up there and it's, and it's a really great piece of scripture because we see in the end this guy is healed not only physically but Jesus heals him spiritually. He takes away his sin, he washes him clean. And this guy, he's a new man and he walks out of that house and into his new life as an able-bodied man on his own two feet. And that would have changed his life forever. He couldn't, he couldn't even walk and now he can do everything that he's never been able to. So what can we take from this passage? Now, I'm, I'm no biblical scholar. I'm not the next Ravi Zacharias. Um, I'm just an 18-year-old guy that loves surfing. Um, but I think there's some really clear practical things that we can take out of the scripture. And they're things that we can apply to our everyday life. It's, it's not super deep stuff. It's really, it's really practical. And I think when most people preach on, on this scripture, they tend to preach on more the fact um, of the healing power of Jesus or perhaps the fact that, that God embodied human form in Jesus to heal this guy, um, which are both fundamental aspects of understanding the scripture. But what stands out to me the most as an 18-year-old surfer, as a church intern, as Steve's barista, is that these four guys were willing to have a crack. These guys were willing to have a crack. Now, the first thing I want to draw out from this scripture is that sometimes having a red-hot crack requires faithfulness, not qualification. I'll say that again. Having a crack requires faithfulness, not qualification. So we can see from the scripture that it was the faith of this guy's friends that enabled him to come into contact with Jesus. They knew that if they could just get him into that room, that there was a possibility that he could be healed. They weren't afraid to step out to have a crack because they knew who Jesus was and they were faithful that he was good. They had faith that if they could get their friend into that house, that something good was going to happen. These guys were faithful to have a crack. And the amazing thing in this scripture is, is that we can have the same faithfulness. We can have the same boldness to go out and to do something crazy. We don't need to know everything. We don't need to know all the answers. We don't need to have everything sorted out. We don't need, we don't need to have a five-year plan. All we need is confidence in Jesus' character and who he is and that he has the power to save. Because no one's afraid to take the shot if they know they're not going to miss, right? Like, you know how at halftime at the basketball games they do the million-dollar half-court shot and we see them miss every single time? Imagine if you knew 100% that you were going to sink that shot. Like, there was no, no way of failing at all. You'd just ease into it and bang, thanks for a million dollars. Um, and we can see that sort of confidence in these guys. We can see that in their vibrato, that, that they're not confident in themselves and in their ability to save this guy, but they're confident that if they do everything they can, that Jesus is going to honour that. And we can see a sort of exchange here where, where it switches from the physical to the supernatural. We can see where once these guys have done everything they can, once they get their friend into that room, although they're doing all the physical hard stuff, they're not doing anything spiritual. And we see it switch over from the physical to the spiritual where Jesus starts to do all the heavy spiritual lifting. They know that if they can just do everything they can on their behalf, that Jesus is going to do all the heavy spiritual lifting. And I find all too often that we put faith in ourselves to do the physical, but we also put faith in ourselves to do the supernatural. We put faith in ourselves to see people come to Jesus and to see people converted. And it's just an unrealistic expectation. 
and we wonder why, why it's not coming together. Why aren't people saved? Why are we failing? And I guess my question for you today is, who are you putting your faith in? Who are you putting your faith in? Are you putting your faith in you or in God? And we can see this today. We can see that no politician or entrepreneur or scientific genius can fix, can fix the stuff we've already messed up in this world. There's sin in this world. We know that. No one can fix that. We might be able to find a cure for cancer, but we can't fix sin. Only Jesus can do that. See, if we have faith like these men that carried their friend onto a roof, a full faith, an assurance that God's going to hold up his end of the bargain, we can, we can be bold and step out and do something crazy without worrying. It's out of faithfulness, not in who we are, but in who Jesus is, that we should be willing to have a crack. Not in who we are, but in who Jesus is. Um, a while ago, Steve messaged me one Sunday afternoon and he said, oh, I want to come to the tavern tonight. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? Like, you're the senior pastor, Steve. We can't be going to the tavern together. And he said, no, nah, there's, a, there's a stand-up mic, um, there's an open mic stand-up amateur comedy night. So I thought, oh, this is going to be good. So we got a few friends together. I was a little bit sceptical. I was like, oh, Steve's funny. He's not that funny. Um, <laughs> but we ended up going. There was a few people there and... Um, and we were sitting there and there was like four different slots with a few comedians in there. And the luck of the draw was that Steve actually got picked first. And we saw the look on his face just go, oh, like, oh, no, I'm up first. And I can only imagine how easy it would have been for him to be nervous in that situation, to get up and to rely on, on people to laugh. But, but that's actually not Steve was there for. He was there to share the gospel with these people that, that hadn't gone there to listen to it. Um, he was there to do something different. And Steve did really great. He actually ended up coming second. It was an awesome, fun time. Um, but I think it was inspiring to me because Steve was just stepping out in faithfulness. Not that he was going to do an amazing job, but that God would use his obedience to affect the people in that crowd and to move through him. And that's been a massive learning point for me this year. Like, I barely passed year 12 maths. I'm not really qualified to, to run a youth group or, or do school ministry. Um, but I just think God loves that and he honours that when we step out in faith and not have confidence in who we are but in who he is to have a crack. Now the second thing that I can see in this scripture is that it's more about relationship and not so much about rules. And I, and I think the scriptures show this by a contrast between two different people and, and two social groups in this story. Because on one hand we have, we have the guys who are carrying their friend. Maybe they're a bit boganish, they're a bit loud, disruptive. They cut a hole in someone's roof. I like to think they're surfers. That's why they were late for Jesus' meeting. They were off getting barreled somewhere. Um, but they're all about their mate. They love him and they're willing to do almost anything for him. And then on the other hand, we have the Pharisees, who we know from the Bible. They love their Torah, the Ten Commandments. They're real, like, black and white, straighty 180 sort of people. And um, we see all throughout scriptures that they tended to sort of segregate. They elevated themselves above everyone else. They thought they were better. They looked down on people. Um, so we've got these two groups. But the funny thing is, is that these guys who were carrying their mate, they had no religiosity, no formal education. They probably didn't go to university. I don't know what they did for a job, but I don't think they were that smart. But they actually had a better understanding of who God is and was because of their relationship with this mate. These guys are doing relationship with this paralyzed guy. They're doing what the Torah was meant to do, which was to bring relationship with God and with others. 
And the Pharisees, they think they're so awesome and, and they're elevating themselves above everyone else, but they're actually missing the point. They're missing the whole point of, of why Jesus came. And, um, but these guys who, who don't actually have a full understanding of who Jesus even is or what the Torah is, they're actually hitting the nail on the head with this one. These guys had relationship with the sick, the lost, the unwanted in society, and they had a relationship with Jesus. And it was out of that relationship that they were willing to have a crack. And it's out of that same relationship that we should be willing to have a crack in our everyday lives. And the third thing that spoke to me in the scripture is that these guys were so focused on getting this guy into the room that they would stop at almost nothing. They would stop at almost nothing. And I think what that says to me is that sometimes having a crack can be offensive. Sometimes having a crack can be off-putting. Sometimes having a crack can be disruptive to others. I mean, they cut a hole in the roof, right? Imagine if right now someone just sawed a hole in the roof, there's gyprock dust falling down everywhere, and then they parachute in. We'd probably be thinking, what is this, what is this bloke doing? That's going to cost $600. And then Wayne would probably get mad because he'd have to fix it. Um, like they vandalised someone's house having a crack. And um, in the middle of the church, in the middle of the meeting, um, and, and we can see that it's really a reckless love that these guys had for their friend. Um, if it meant destroying someone's roof or offending some people, these guys were willing to do it. They were audacious in having a crack. And I'm not saying be offensive to people. These guys weren't going out. They weren't a band of guys who just cut holes in people's roof. That wasn't their thing. Um, but they were simply having a crack, trying to get to Jesus, and that's what they needed to do. And when I talk about having a crack, I'm talking about things that, that God might be putting on our hearts to go out and do. Um, the moral of the story isn't to go out and cut a hole in someone's roof. It's, um, it's to have a crack. And that's one of the things that drew me to this church, is that, is that most of the people that I see here are willing to have a crack, and they're willing to get their hands dirty. Um, and I think that's what we need to understand. Like whether it's Anne and Wayne doing behind-the-scenes building work, like one day I was with Wayne and, and he was helping me build Chris the coffee cart, which is outside. It's going to be up and running soon. And, um, and after that, Wayne, Wayne spent a couple of hours hanging this door um, for the kids' room, getting it right, getting it perfect, cutting out where the hinges were going to go, making sure it fit in the jam perfectly. And he took so long to get it perfect. And then once the door was hung and it was over and he went home, it got painted. And although it worked better than the old door, you couldn't... You couldn't, just by looking at it, you couldn't notice there was a different door. And I thought, oh man, like no one's ever going to notice that Wayne fixed that door. No one's ever going to go up to Wayne and say, oh, thanks man for fixing the door. The only person who's going to know that, that Wayne spent two or three hours fixing that door is him and God. And, and he wasn't doing it, he wasn't doing it because he thought he was awesome. He was just having a crack behind the scenes, behind closed doors. He was having a crack. And whether it's Sarah and Jono with, with Kids Ministry or Stephen Mez in, in leading the people here, I just find it really awesome that everyone here is, is willing to have a crack. And that's all, all this church really is. It, it's a group of people who are willing to have a crack and willing to see God move in Burley Heads Church of Christ. And imagine if we all had a crack, right? Imagine if every single person in here, come Monday, was committed to having a crack at one thing they thought God had been putting on their heart. Just imagine the amazing things that we would see happen in this church and happen in Burley Heads or happen at your workplace or happen wherever you live. Just imagine what would happen. And we see the ultimate example of this on the cross. 
Jesus had a crack for you and for me, and it, it actually cost him his life. And now he's calling you to do the same for others. He's calling you and me to go out and have a crack for him. He's calling us to have faithfulness in who he is, have a relationship with him, and have a crack with him powered by the Holy Spirit. So if it's a snowmobile, it means he's driving and we're on the back going over a huge jump. <laughs> and maybe for some of you guys, as we've been um, going over this, this series of, of hospitality and the ways of Jesus, you've felt stirred to, to have that couple over for dinner that are maybe new to church or that you don't know so well. Or maybe you felt something stirring within you to start a new small group or to step out. It could mean volunteering at church. See, having a crack is something different for each and every one of us. We're made individuals. We're designed for a specific purpose. So I, I really believe God has, God has different things set out for each of us. This could even mean for some people that, that having a crack means stepping into a relationship with Jesus for the first time. It could mean investigating, seeing what Jesus is about, seeing what his life was like. And maybe you've tried before, maybe you've stepped out and had a crack and said, you know what, I actually want to, I actually want to see what, what this Jesus guy's all about. And you've been burnt before. There's been people like the Pharisees that, that look down on you and, and they're rude and, and they think they're better than everyone else and they say, oh, you can't do this or you can't do that. And they bombard you with rules. But we see, we see in, this, in this passage that that's obviously not the case. Jesus favours these guys who have... They're breaking the rules, but let alone they don't even know what the rules are. They have no education. And Jesus actually favours these guys and he honours them over the Pharisees that, that think they're so awesome. So we can see that that's not the case. These guys destroyed someone's house and Jesus honoured that. He honoured their relationship. So maybe it's time to have a crack at this Jesus thing. Maybe it's time to investigate more about who he is and what it looks like to have a life with him. And I just encourage you, if, if that's you, just chat to someone. Come and chat to me or chat to Steve or, or chat to anyone here who's a, who's a church regular about what doing life with Jesus looks like, what having a crack might mean for you. And we'd love to chat with you.